Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are talking about Return of the Jedi, the sixth movie, the third movie of the original trilogy. I'm here with Ashley Coffin and Paul Hoppy to dive into everything we love and some things that maybe raise some eyebrows about this great movie. All that and more after a commercial break, over which we have no control. Hello, folks. This is Matthew. I'm your host. Um, I'm very glad to be back. Thank you for your patience. As I mentioned, um, I got married a few weeks ago, so we did not have any episodes over the last two weeks while I was preparing and then enjoying a marital life. Um, but now we are back. I'm super excited to be back. And we're going to dive into the conversation about Return of the Jedi in just a moment. But first, I just want to say a quick word. Um, on this podcast, we've always been trying to you know, acknowledge that... Um, as hosts, we all have our limitations. We all only bring the perspectives that we bring. And for myself, certainly as a white man, I've always been trying to bring in new perspectives, bring in new ideas, and recognize when sometimes my own perspective is missing something. And I try to do a good job at that. Sometimes I definitely miss the boat. And recently a friend reached out to me and pointed out something that happened in our last episode that um, really could have been a lot better. And so I wanted to kind of quickly address that. Recently, I did an episode on the uh, whole discussion around the um, character of Finn, played by the actor John Boyega, in the, um, la- in the I guess, post-quels, what we're calling them, the last three <laughs> movies. Uh, and we talked about how um, really pretty badly the character of Finn had been treated. And, you know, we, we addressed the fact that a lot of that was quite clearly due to, to racism and that John Boyega, the actor, had named a lot of that. And then I think we kind of shifted the focus away from that, knowing that as two white guys, maybe that was not really our lane, and tried to kind of talk about a lot of the other issues that were somewhat separate from that. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of value in the conversation we had, but a friend pointed out that really on a lot of levels, we missed the boat in doing that because a lot of what John was saying in his comments was that really racism was something that um, was undergirding the entire conversation. And that while I think Jared and I had some 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 thoughts that were interesting to, to bring out, Doing that conversation without having a person of color as part of the conversation, really without having a black person in that conversation, um, probably um, really made the episode suffer and made it not not a perspective that I think was as helpful as it could have been. So um, my apologies for that. I I really want to lift up the fact that a number of great black authors and podcasters have been talking about this episode, uh, have been talking about this issue. Uh, Definitely check those out. I think there's obviously I'm glad you're listening to me and glad you're listening to the guests we have on this show. There's a lot of other great voices out there, many of which don't look like me and can offer you perspectives that I can't. So thank you so much for um, um, continuing listening. Thank you very much to that friend who pointed this out. And to everyone else, I'm glad you're a listener, glad you're a fan, glad you have uh, hopefully good things to, to say about this podcast. But anytime you think myself or one of our other hosts or guests um, you know, misses the mark on something or just uh, has a perspective that you think you can offer that, that we're not getting or just wants to point out something you think we, we screwed up on, please reach out and let us know. We're always happy to hear that kind of conversation. And frankly, for myself, I'm always happy to try and make the podcast better. So with that, um, thank you very much. Let's now go back to our actual conversation uh, we're having today on Return of the Jedi. Uh, And we're joined today by Paul Hoppe, who was the original host on Superhero Ethics and has been a a frequent co-host on this podcast, Star Wars Universe podcast. Paul, how are we doing tonight? Pretty good, yeah. We just watched Return of the Jedi, and you um, thankfully uh, sort of gave us the um, the original cut to some extent, <laughs> which I really want to thank you for. I was yes. prepared yeah. to do a, to do 
a lot of bemoaning, <laughs> and there will be less bemoaning due to um, cutting to the original <laughs> uh, Ewok celebration. To just slightly misquote the great Mr. Timberlake, uh, we're bringing Yubnub back. So I'm happy to help with that. Um, also joining us is Ashley Coffin. Ashley's been on a couple of um, my podcasts and has become a pretty frequent guest and uh, co-host all over the Stranded Panda podcast network. Ashley, how are we doing tonight? Super great. I'm so finally, I'm happy to finally be here. I missed uh, Revenge of the Sith because of like a hurricane or whatever happened in Philadelphia. Yes. <laughs> Climate change isn't real. Um, but uh, yeah, it was very sad to miss that. So I'm happy to be here for this one. Definitely, definitely. And yeah. As Paul said, we, we did just um, live watch it together. We chatted with uh, the three of us and a couple of fans. We're going to try and do more of those. And uh, starting in at the end of October, beginning of November, we're going to try and start doing those every week for The Mandalorian when those episodes come out. Mm. So definitely keep an eye out for those. Um, you can find information about that on the um, uh, Star Wars Universe podcast feed on Facebook. And also we'll be announcing it on the Stranded Panda uh, podcast group, uh, also on Facebook. So... Uh, with that, let's dive right in. Um, Return of the Jedi. Um, going into this movie, before we rewatched it, what were what were kind of some of your thoughts about this movie? Like, where did it sit for you in terms of the whole Star Wars story, and and how did you feel about it? I was kind of embarrassed that I haven't seen it in so long that I kind of forgot exactly what was going to happen. Like uh-huh. when it was happening, I was like, "Oh, this was happening," but I forgot the inf- like really strong influence that it's had on the last two movies when I'm watching and I'm like uh, they just ripped this right out of this film and put it in The Last Jedi and then this part they put in Return of Skywalker and I was like wow I'm like I almost didn't even want to bring it up because I was like this is super embarrassing I didn't remember yeah. and it also it was a lot of fun um, but I also wasn't ready for like the added scenes that I didn't know about oh, were God. happening <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely some added stuff and we'll get to that for sure um, Paul what about yourself what was kind of your take on this movie going into it I, I mean, I had sort of a similar but opposite experience of, uh, I haven't watched it for a long time. I, I don't remember the last time I watched it uh, in its entirety, but I felt like I remembered like almost word for word the entire, I might have watched it a bunch in high school. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, certainly possible. A bunch. Um, but, but yeah, the, some of the added scenes, I was like, this, uh, like it, they, they stand out so much because I watched the original so many times. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, some of them are kind of, like, harmless, like, in the beginning, in, in well, like, Java. We're going to get to the attitudes yeah, for sure, yeah, but for now I yeah. just want to talk about, like, the, the movie itself. Like, what, what you liked about it, what how you felt about it. Yeah. Which, I, I, oh, I mean, just overall, I, I think it's my favorite Star Wars movie. I don't mm. think it's the best, but I think it's my favorite one. It's my first movie memory, like, physically being in the Ziegfeld Theater and um with my parents and like i remember the moment that like the lightsaber shot out of r2 and yes and Luke catches it. like it was just vivid like this i was five you know it's in the theater and i remember just exactly like being there mm-hmm. um like i can smell the popcorn you know yeah and That's awesome. so like the movie brings back a lot of that kind of nostalgia but then also i don't know i was i, I was uh i was happy with how well i felt like it held up you know yeah um, a lot of things I think we go back and watch and there's a lot of cringy things and, you know, there's some things, but like, you know, or the effects look ridiculous or it's just like, oh, I don't really like this story as much as I thought I did, but like, I don't know. I kind of love the story overall. And, um, you know, especially like Vader's arc and, mm-hmm. um, and all of that, which 
maybe they added something that undercut the best scene <laughs> in the series. No, but... they didn't do that. No. <laughs> no. Um, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, Paul, I, I think I very much agree with you. And I, I have a similar experience. This is the first movie that I remember in the theater. Same with you. I can remember we were about like three rows from the back. I was mm-hmm. in the third seat over. Like, I have a very visceral memory of it. And one of the first things I remember is my memory of the loudest thing I've ever heard. I'm sure this is not the actual loudest thing I've ever heard, but the first yeah. time I like can remember just being assaulted by sound is just the like small drum beats. And then all of a sudden, like the music crashes in at the very start of the movie when the, yeah. the, the, the yellow text starts rolling. And it was just like a kind of uh, audio roller coaster that I went on. And <laughs> I, I think I have a kind of same feeling of you, like, and I like the distinction you made, and I think we make this a lot when talking about Star Wars movies and anything we have sort of nostalgia for. I don't think it's the best, but it, it, and, it and New Hope are really up there for me as my favorites because it really just holds up so well, with the exception of maybe like the um, the Rancor, the effects still look very good. Yeah. The plot really works, and it just – to me, it pays off so much of the, the Star Wars story, you know, in like yes. – all the stuff that gets built up about Vader and Yoda and the Force and Luke, it just – this to me will always feel like the the thing that is like the truest Star Wars canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, it's like the opposite of the Revenge of the Sith, which I think I um, was like an emergency substitute for Ashley on that podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I think that's correct. And, uh, you know, where we might not have said a lot of nice things about the movie, but <laughs> it – you know, that, like, the two movies are, like, basically Anakin's two turning points, right? right? Like, him turning to and then away from the dark side. And this one, so, it just, like, I buy it, you know? Like, not just, like, that this is something this character might do, but that this is what this character would do in that moment. It all, it pays off, like, the whole character arc that's been kind of, sort of simmering below the surface for, I think, mm-hmm. the you know the whole original trilogy. Whereas in Revenge of the Sith, maybe we won't talk about that too much. But, uh, <laughs> but like, it, I feel like it just does the opposite, where in that one critical moment, it just doesn't, like, really pay off in the yeah. same way. Yeah. And I think, I think it's the perfect word. It, it pays it off, you know? Mm-hmm. Ashley, what about for you? I, I know you're a little younger and uh, didn't uh, come to the movies at the same time we did. What, what's your first memory of seeing this movie? Yeah, I, this came out in 83, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is correct, yeah. Yeah, I was born in 84, so I saw it um, probably, I would say, like, when I was in, like, elementary school, I, like, ran with the boys because I was in with, like, X-Men and stuff. So I remember seeing it, and then we had, like, all the toys mm-hmm. and, like, lightsabers were the shit, and we were breaking each other's knuckles with bats in the playground pretending <laughs> we had lightsabers. <laughs> She's from Philadelphia, everybody. Good times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just wiffle bats, wiffle bats. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, not that hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, so definitely like real, like six, seven, you remember. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of always there. And you always have that same like emotional feeling when the music picks up in the beginning. Yeah. And I honestly feel like the music saves so many of even the bad mm-hmm. movies. When the music comes, you're like, oh, I'm so like, yeah, I'm, I'm in it. Yeah. I like it. And then you remember the scores from some of the movies and it, you gaslight yourself into thinking that I like that movie. <laughs> and then you go back and you watch it and you're like, oh, this is terrible. But then the scene comes with like the great score and the great fighting and you're like, yeah, I'm in it again. Yeah. And they, they trick you with it. It's pretty great. 
<laughs> so, so for you, do you think this movie doesn't hold up quite as well as Paul and I think it does? No, I think this one's great. Having mm-hmm. watched the newer ones so much more recently and watching this one, this story is a well thought out story. Like it has a beginning, middle and end. Like you're, you're what you guys are saying, like it's satisfying. You get everything that you wanted. You, you know, especially after watching the newer ones, like say you didn't see these ones and you come back and you're like, of course, Anakin would do that because we saw this somewhat growth until, you know, the Sith. But right. I don't know. I loved it. Yeah, I'm, I think I think Paul, it was you who really long ago turned me on to the idea that um, Empire, especially, is really the story of Darth Vader and his slowly kind of, you know, being at odds with the Emperor and wanting to have this connection with his son and all that. And I feel like this movie, you see that much more clearly, and it really pays it off. And mm-hmm. knowing all that, I mean, I just I'm so fascinated by watching Vader. Um, and Paul, you said during the chat something I thought was really in- interesting, which is we so often talk about how great a voice actor James Earl Jones was, but that the the person who's literally in the suit was not James Earl Jones. It was it was someone else. And I, I think you said the name. I don't remember who it was. And I should look it up. Um, David but, Prowse. What's his name? David Prowse. I'm not sure the pronunciation. But... Okay. Dave Prowse. Yeah, I think I think that sounds right. Even he does a great job of just with his physical movements of, you know, indicating how um, torn he is. Like that whole beautiful scene where Luke says, like, I think I can turn you. And and Vader's not like mustache twirly, you know, waha, of course you can't. You're gonna help me and my boy now. He's like, I'm sorry, son, I can't. I mean, yeah. there's just so mm-hmm. much like sadness from him and defeat. And I, mm-hmm. I I think you're right, the the body acting plays that out just as much as the voice. Yeah, and I mean that's one of the reasons it bothered me so much when they added like a couple of no's that are just totally unnecessary because <sighs> there's there's so much that can be communicated just physically, you know, mm-hmm. and um, actually, like going into this, I was, I was like all ready to say like, oh, it would have been way cooler if like you know they took off the mask and it was like James Earl Jones because like why not? Mm-hmm. But like, I you know I mean I James Earl Jones is amazing, right? Yeah. In, specifically in you know in the, in the Star Wars movies, but also just broadly speaking. Um, but I I do think that um, you know because of how great he is as the voice, it's easy to kind of sell short, um, you know. David Prowse as like really conveying a lot. I mean, he, he has no face to show, right? right. Mm-hmm. He has no, he can't do anything with his eyes. Um, you know, that's, that's something like in terms of like the X-Men, like playing Cyclops is hard because, yeah. you know, actors do so much acting with their eyes, like seeing like Carl Urban as like judge dread in dread, like never literally never take the helmet off. It's like, they're you know so limited, but like here it's like it's just guy in a suit, right? So yeah. I, I, I mean, mean even, I think the Mandalorian kind of also you know yeah I was gonna say uh, Jeff Randall, another frequent co-host here who talks with me about the Mandalorian, he's made the same point about Pedro Pedro Pascal yeah that his body acting in the Mandalorian without ever seeing his face until the very mm-hmm. end is just fantastic yes yeah and so that that was just something that in this you know in that one scene that you were talking about where they're on the moon still and they're they're going up to the death star and, and luke's like hey you know you don't you don't have to stay with the emperor like <laughs> let's <laughs> let's be friends and dad. and like he's saying that right exactly he's and like dad <laughs> and he's like I, I i can't you you don't know the power of the dark yeah. side i think um i don't know what, and so let's let's talk about vader specifically because i think that raises a really interesting question um at the end of the second movie Vader is very confidently saying, like, come join me. We'll turn on the Emperor. We'll defeat him. 
and we'll, you know, restore peace through the galaxy because, mm-hmm. you know, fascism equals peace. Um, <laughs> but Man, same plot as the other movies. I, I can't believe this. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> what, ju- uh, trust Sorry. me, we'll get to the post-Cold movies and be able to slam <laughs> on them lots when we do. <laughs> um, but, but even putting that aside, so what changes for Vader, do you think? Because now... He's not like, okay, cool, Luke, now you get it. Let's no go, now go get Palpatine. Now he's just totally resigned. What what do you think is the change there? That's a good question. I mean, it's been a few years, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a few years between Empire and... I mean, I know it was in terms of filmmaking, but I think that's supposed to take place in the storytelling. Luke makes his own lightsaber. You know, um, they have to go grab Han. And, you know, I, th- I think he discovered that Luke was his son that he was out there. Right. And he spends a long time searching for him. He finally gets him. And then, you know, I mean, Luke rejects him. Right. So Mm. I don't know, maybe there's some feelings there. And, (laughs) and like, it seems like now the emperor really knows more what's going on. So maybe he doesn't feel like, you know, he can really, um, kind of get it done. Maybe he doesn't feel like it's going to be successful. Or maybe the whole thing is just a plot. To get <laughs> he, he certainly seems to be on a much shorter leash in this movie. You know, yes. in the last one, the Emperor yes. is kind of like, yeah, go do it with your son, whatever you want. Whereas this one, I think the Emperor is much more like using that pro- force influence, having that, that power over him. No, he would definitely be more aware that he was starting to, you know, turn to the light side. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yes. you're saying the Emperor would be mm-hmm. a Vader. Yeah. Yeah. Palps. In some ways, I'm not even sure that, that, that Vader is turning to the light side yet as much as he's just wanting to assert his own. I mean, the Sith are supposed to be all about, you know, independence and do your own thing. And I think Vader for this point has been, he wants to bring his son to the dark side still, but he wants to bring his dark, almost a kind of, he wants to free his son and he wants his son to free him because then together they can like take on the emperor and then Vader is free. Um, Right, right. Yeah, and maybe at this point it's just not. Do you think, therefore, like, Vader doesn't want Luke to do this? Because at this point, Vader is thinking he still want. like, is he kind of disappointed, do you think, that Luke shows up? I don't know. That's a good question. I feel like there needs to be some middle thing between Jedi and Sith that everybody's just, like, cool with. Because being a Jedi kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it really <laughs> yeah. does. Like, yeah. there's really nothing really that great about it. Like, if you could just you know join the dark side and not become all gross or whatever happens to you that'd be great so there's got to be some like middle ground and i feel like i've heard that they go into that in like novels yeah the tv like, shows doesn't especially, luke um, eventually become that but the, the clone war the novels go into the whole idea of the gray jedi who are like halfway between the sith mm-hmm. and the that um, seems jedi. like the thing to be and and then the um uh, in, in some of the TV shows, the Clone Wars especially, they go into the idea that you can be a follower of the dark side, but not Sith. And that that's, got, that's what I think Vader at least is, that he's still in the dark side, but that he mm. wants to turn on the Emperor and kind of do his mm-hmm. own thing. Right. Or, I mean, you know, I mean, he could want to do the Sith thing where it's like, you know, he kills his master and then he takes Luke as his apprentice. But I don't know. I think more thinking about it more, I, I feel like in Jedi, Vader doesn't really know what he wants anymore. Like in Star mm. Wars, he has a very clear, like, you know, I'm I'm working for the Emperor, I'm, you know, running the Empire, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. Like, he's just, like, taking care of business. And then yeah. in Empire, he gets on this, like, quest to find his son and to con- turn him to the dark side and then overthrow the Emperor. And then in Jedi, it seems like, well, that failed and he's kind of maybe sort of, you know, there is conflict, I, I feel yeah. like. That's okay, sort of what's, right? That's what's kind of 
you know, I mean, he's gone years without seeing his son again. And so it's like, what, you know, where's his head at? I, I don't know. But it, it seems like there is conflict and he doesn't really know what he wants to do or what he should do until basically the emperor shows him, right? right. Like the emperor turns, turns Vader back from the dark side by trying to kill his son, <laughs> like torturing his son, basically. And he just found out he has a daughter. Like, <laughs> how many bombs? Yeah, I mean, that, that seems really interesting because it certainly does seem like Vader is trying to needle Luke towards the dark side there. You know, I mean, right. everything he says about the sister and all that, mm-hmm. he's trying to get Luke to give in to his emotion. He's trying to get Luke to fight him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such an interesting thing of like, so what does Vader actually want in that moment? And I, I think you're right. Vader is probably as confused as anybody. And with mm-hmm. the Emperor right there, all that influence happening, it, it's just all conflict. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about the Emperor for a moment, because as I think we're all kind of pointing out, if you want to get someone to turn to the dark side, how many major PR blunders does Palpatine commit along that road in that one scene with Luke? Oh, man. He just can't stop doing it. He's yeah. like, I'm going to tell you exactly what you got to do instead of being like, no, don't kill me. <laughs> you know, all your friends will be alive if you kill me. Don't do that. He's like, it's I mean, just so stupid. It's interesting because here's the one time where I think something was better in Revenge of the Sith. Because in Revenge of the Sith, I, I've said before, I think one of the few things that movie gets really well is the way Palpatine tempts Anakin. Mm-hmm. Not the last scene where Anakin turns, but just the slow, like, planting of the seed that maybe the Jedi don't know everything. That maybe mm-hmm. the dark side has a little bit of knowledge and, like, slowly pulling him in. And so Anakin's turning to the dark side without ever really realizing it. and. Yeah. Yoda and Ben have been saying all along, that's the danger of the dark side. It's seductive. You'll you'll start down that dark road and you won't even realize it. And then it'll dominate your destiny. And here Palpatine's going, look down at your feet. You're on the dark road. Ha ha, I'm winning. I'm winning. <laughs> yeah, just two or three more steps. <laughs> it's such a bad way to do it. It's, it's funny. I, I never really thought about it that way. But like, I feel like maybe Revenge of the Sith like works better on paper. And Return of the Jedi just works better in practice. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, then again, also, like, he succeeded in the first one, in, in Revenge of the Sith, and he failed in this. So that kind of makes some sense. Like, yeah. I don't know. He's off his game. You know, it's been yeah. a while since he's tried to turn someone. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, he's like, oh, right, I'm not, I'm not supposed to show all my cards. He's like, I haven't been on that level of the cult in a while. I'm up exactly. at the top now. I mean, you're on top. It's kind of hard. No one's challenging you. Exactly. So, so I mean, we could try to build to this, but let's just go into it right now. What do you think happens in that final climactic lightsaber battle? Like, because I think this is something, Luke, uh, Paul, you and I have debated for twenty years or so, and I've heard so many different perspectives and so many from so many different people. Vader is, you know, try, Vader and the Emperor are both trying to goad Luke into giving into his emotions because if he does that, it'll lead him to the dark side, mm-hmm. and. You know, Palpatine says, like, strike down your father and that will cement you as the dark side and you'll join me. And what what I see, at least, is Vader su- succeeds in goading Luke. Luke does yes. give in to the dark side for just a little mm-hmm. bit. He wins the fight. But when he cuts his father's hand off, that's what allows him to kind of pull back and, yeah. and pull back from the dark side. Is that how you two see it? Do you see it differently? Because I think that it's such a great scene because it's so open for interpretation. Yeah. No, I think that's pretty spot on. Something needed to 
take him out of that little trance and he was like oh i did it to me i have no hand you have no hand oh i'm back <laughs> dad you, yeah you, I mean, you me and the wampum from uh, a hoth we're all connected now <laughs> or whatever the hell that creature was called i forget uh the, yeah and close and the, enough yeah and that guy on the bar in the bar and, yeah uh, yeah um i i think I mean, there's a case to be made that Vader's not actually trying to kill Luke and isn't trying to turn him to the dark side, but he's kind of just, like, playing it out and, uh -huh. you know, kind of buying time and just sort of pushing buttons. Um, and I, I'm not sure I would actually make that case, but, like, I think it's there. Uh -huh. uh, mm -hmm. I think, I mean, Luke absolutely, you know, embraces his anger, yeah. right? And But, you know, it's like... It's anger, but it's also anger driven by love, you know, for his sister, for his friends. Right. And, you know, okay, we've been told that that can, like, lead to the dark side, but it's like, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that's the only way, way you know, place it can lead, or that it's like, you can't, you know, take a step back and, and completely, like, yeah, he, he cuts off his, you know, dad's cybernetic hand, and he's like... <laughs> you know it, it's it's a one it's for a, one right it's it's like a moment for reflection you know and it, it kind of i think you know ties him to him again and and he he does like take a step back and i mean i know i think mark hamill was like wait why doesn't luke just turn to the dark side that would that would be way more fun be so awesome. um which foreshadows why he would want to play like the joker i was gonna say yeah that's mark and... hamill going that direction suddenly becomes a lot clearer exactly but uh but yeah i mean i think that's definitely the moment where that's the moment where luke basically has to decide right like because you know getting angry and acting out of anger is one thing but then that moment where it's like okay i can now either kill this help helpless person or i cannot do that and right. he's like no nah, i'm a i'm a jedi like like my pops here yeah <laughs> it's just like my dad I think in some ways, it, it, Ashley, you were talking about all the problems with being a Jedi, and I feel like there's an extent to which these movies eventually get to the point of, like, the problem with the Jedi code, but never fully embrace it, especially with the mm -hmm. the, the disagreements in the last three movies. But my, I like what you're saying, Paul, about that maybe part of what he's doing there is seeing that, like, on some level, Obi-Wan's wrong, that you maybe can embrace anger at least a little bit when it's anger for a just cause. Without it necessarily being like, oh, you know, you, you dipped your toe in that pond. You're now 100% Sith. No going back. No, no collect $200. Right. Like it, it can consume you, but it doesn't have to. Right. And that yeah, you might up. not be able to control whether it consumes you, but like you might. And, and that, you know, it's a risk basically. I mean, like he force chokes those two kind of like orc looking dudes in the beginning, right? Yeah. Like that. I don't know whether they die or they just like go unconscious or whatever, but like. <laughs> That's, you know, that's a pretty dark that's side. A little yeah, you know, I mean, you know. I, I have long argued that Obi-Wan telling someone to go fundamentally change his life because he doesn't right. like him selling cigarettes is not really the most light side activity you can do. Mm -hmm. but... mm -hmm. yeah. See, they all straddle the line. And that's why I think they need to rewrite those prophecies or whatever's in those books because it's, it's not updated. It's not yeah. fair. It's very true. It's just asking for them to turn to the dark side. Like they're wouldn't be siths if there wasn't the jedi and i know that's such like a broad statement but like it's almost like the church a little bit no you need yeah. to let people uh you know you can't have a wife you can't have feelings or emotions you are just asking to create sith lords like it's your own fault 
Yeah, I mean, remember the three principal <laughs> ideas of the Jedi, that all emotion is always bad forever and ever, all attachment is always bad forever and ever, and only the Sith speak in absolutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah. I mean, it's, Good luck with all that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and Enjoy we, your paradox. When we get to the Last Jedi, we'll definitely talk more about the religion idea because I think that's a very oh, good, a, a very appropriate uh, lens through which to see them, especially in the idea that like what happens in almost every religion throughout history is it, it starts with like a religious idea, but then becomes more about like the power of the leaders and the power of the 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 the, the institution and the authority instead of what the religion is supposed to be about. I think that's exactly what happens with the Jedi. Um. Mm-hmm. What what are the thoughts on that lightsaber battle and like what what's happening there? Um, I I mean I I think it's really well choreographed. You know, mm-hmm. uh, all all of the lightsaber bot battles in the original trilogy are like a little kind of boxier, maybe less yeah. fluid than in the later movies. Um, There's no parkour, right? You know, <laughs> which um, makes sense. Twenty years before that was invented, so uh, or popularized. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, she had a pretty cool backflip off those steps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Like, you know, he turns his lightsaber off. He backflips off the thing up onto the other thing. Like, you know, he, he uses, you know, Vader throws his lightsaber, which people should just do way more often. All the time. Right. Um, it's just, just so Makes... effective. Like, why would yeah. you do it? It's um, so good in the video games. You might as well. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um. You know, and and I I really like the sidekick to knock Vader down the stairs. It's like, yeah, you don't have to like only use your your lightsaber, right? Like you could kick people too. You have feet, Um, (laughs) and um, you know. But then like when Luke's kind of in the darkness and um, Vader's taunting him, and and you know finds out finds out that he has a daughter, right? (laughs) Which Mm -hmm. um, you know maybe that has some impact on him too. Right. Yeah. Maybe that adds to the, the sort of like, hey, maybe maybe I'll go back to the light side for a minute here. And he uh, said it at the end and he's like, make sure your sister knows. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that clearly was very meaningful for him. Right. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it, you know, the I don't know. It's like I think the chore- choreography is really good. I think the editing the cutting back and forth between like the space battle, the scenes on Endor and the, the lightsaber battle and just, you know, the whole bit in, you know, the, the Emperor's Sanctum, I think is really well paced. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they changed. I don't think they added really footage there. I'm not sure. But um, if they didn't, then that was definitely the correct thing to do. Um, and the, the music just, you know, it can carry a weak moment. Mm-hmm. But it can also really accentuate a strong moment. And I think, yeah. um, you know, John Williams does a brilliant job of that in, mm-hmm. in Return of the Jedi, especially. Especially in those scenes there. Yeah. And that's like the only time you have vocals, right? Oh, Pretty no, much, there's yeah. also the one with that emperor kind of, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and again, in like? the, it, Duel of the Fates and Phantom Menace. But, um, yeah, I, one thing that I noticed count. is that... If you look at the choreography of battles, at the end of New Hope, there's only one battle, the the fight to stop the Death Star. Right. At the end of Empire, oh. there's two battles. There's yeah. the running battle in um, Cloud City to get free mm-hmm. and the lightsaber battle. And yeah. now here we have three battles. And then now pretty much in almost every movie after this, they almost always, not always, but almost always try to have three battles. A battle on land, a battle in space, 
and a lightsaber battle. Right. And almost always the choreography and the pacing of it is never as good. Like this, yeah. I think you're right. This is mm. absolutely the gold standard of, you know, only switching back when you need to, really keeping the tension, making it all seem like it is playing out simultaneously. Yeah, that's a really good point. I never, I never thought of it in those terms in terms of like one, two, and three. And mm-hmm. um, in Empire, I think they cut back and forth between the two really throughout the whole movie, right? right. Um, mm-hmm. As soon as they get off Hoth, it's like there's Luke's story and there's you know Han and Leia's story, and um, it the 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 editing and the pacing I think is really strong in in both movies and. I haven't felt that as much in any of the other films. Um, And I think that can also just really helps with the emotional connection. You know, like if they left the same, like towards the end when they leave like the emperor's sanctum, you know, when they leave the lightsaber battle, they do it for less and less time as it goes on, I think. Yeah. Um, And I think they do that because it's like, you can kind of sort of tease it along, tease it along, tease along. But once it reaches kind of a certain like volume kind of like emotional volume in terms of what's going on in the scene i think if they left it for too long it would really it would just really damage kind of the connection to that scene and then also the other ones i think would be harder to be present like in a space battle for like five minutes or something when you're like let's get back to the lightsaber battle yeah Yeah. exactly yeah i i think it's so true i mean i realized this time watching it that from the moment like you have that conversation where um, Luke turns out the lightsaber and Vader's looking for him and taunts him about the sister and then Luke attacks all the way through until the Emperor has thrown down the power generator well that's just sitting there because why not? Um, mm-hmm. It never cuts away. And I keep mm-hmm. like thinking it's about to cut and realize, no, it never mm-hmm. does because you're right. It, that's where the emotional power is. Yeah. One other thing that I, I noticed uh, and I pointed out in the chat is – and I don't know if they intended to do this when they made um, the the prequels or if it's just kind of a fun coincidence, but I really love that in the prequels what they set up is that the thing that turns Anakin to the dark side is that he is so afraid he won't be able to save the people he loves. You know, and mostly it's Padme, but it's also the idea of his children, and he's just this, you know, it's kind of an imp- a powerful story, as you said, on paper, if not in execution, of... Mm-hmm the man who thinks he can do everything realizing that, you know, he might not be able to save the people he loves. And that's what turns him to the dark side. And here, what turns him back to the light is the chance to do exactly that, to save the person he loves, or at least to save a, a family member, you know, a person yeah. he, he, he can love in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I and love to... that. Yeah. I, I thought a... that was, oh, go ahead. Okay. It's like he, he didn't just save him. He kind of knows he kind of saves everybody. So hero. Yeah. At the end, really, is Vader? Ish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's completely the hero of the story. Yeah. Like, he starts off as being, like, you know, the biggest villain for the first two movies, right? And yeah. then in the third movie, like, what is he... How many people does he kill in the third movie? I don't think Did we he kill anyone anybody? in Return of the Jedi? Like I nobody, right? I don't think we see him. We see him kill anybody now. So basically, he Luke's hand. Yeah, he he cuts off a mechanical <laughs> hand, and then kills the emperor and saves like the galaxy basically for like a couple decades until the new order, like or the first order, or like <laughs> until blows the... off <laughs> right. all the core systems or something ridiculous. But yeah. like, because he... Luke ha- he lost man the va- uh, Palp had him dead to rights. 
Yeah, and I mean, th- like, th- how many people did Luke kill in the third movie <laughs> in Return lot. of the Jedi? Like, a lot, a lot of people, He's like, headshot, right? headshot. Including exactly. a lot of, like, probably, like, just, you know, Twi'lek dancers on Jabba's, you know, slave barge and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's right. some collateral was, damage. Death was probably better than having to stay there with that guy. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh. Uh, but he was dead because Lu- Leia, you know, to give her some hero credit, just like choked him out. Um, <laughs> and so like, you know, they probably would have been okay. Although uh, there's a lot of other horrible people there, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people enabling Jabba. Because like, really, I don't think he's like, a, you know, a, a big crime lord due to his physical prowess, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. He like snuck down that hallway and hid behind that curtain. To, like, the room where oh, uh, right. they were trying to sneak out off, and they pull back the curtain. The whole gang is there. I'm like, how didn't you hear him coming? <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought he was, like, there the whole time. Well, That's we're, even funnier. We'll how did you do that Because, I mean, just <laughs> listen to him breathing. But, like... I, I, I think you're right about him being the hero. And for me, I think... I mean, yes, this is the first movie I ever remember. But, but the thing I think that I took away from it more than anything is... This is what introduced me to the whole idea of a redemption arc. Like... Mm. They, yeah. they, you know, that the, the bad person can be saved and that there can be some good in them. Um, and I should probably blame George Lucas for sticking around in toxic relationships way longer <laughs> than I should have. <laughs> Many of which Paul talked me through. Um, but, but I do think there's some real power to that idea that, like, no one is just purely evil, you know, and that, right. that there are, you know, and it's funny because as, as much as I love that, I, I do now think that there's a lot of stories, um, including Star Wars later. That that wind up giving you a much cheaper redemption arc. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Kylo Ren. Um, like, <laughs> but but here it does feel like it's so earned. You know that they, he yeah. he works for it, and that it it comes and and it's a, it's a tragic death. You know, it's not a right. now I get to go live with my people again. It's I am going to give my life to stop this thing that I've been a huge part of all this time. Yeah, although yeah. Uh, honestly, that's that's a little bit one of my pet peeves in redemption arcs is. Um, the number of redemption arcs that like have to end in the death of the person being redeemed. Yeah. Um, which, you know, in this case is fine. I think, you know, it's like he yeah. absorbed a lot of force lightning there. Like, yeah. and, <laughs> the Kylo you know, Ren thing upset me, but that's another right. podcast. <laughs> uh, um, but like in, just in terms of like, you know, I, I, I think it's for me, the takeaway is less that there's no such thing as a truly evil person because like, I think, our friend Palps is like, yeah, just like through and through horrific. Um, to me, it's more just because a person does awful things doesn't mean they're through and through an evil person. It doesn't mean they're not capable of, you know, you could call it redemption, but like of good, you know, um, and that it's and kind of like the value of trying to see the good in people and Mm -hmm. get them to change, right? Not just to see the good in them and like excuse, you know, their, um, their war crimes or whatever, but trying to get people to change and not thinking, Oh, this person's done this horrible thing. I'm going to completely write them off and not think that they're capable of change. Mm -hmm. They they may or may not be, but they may be is the point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To me. No, I agree. I, it's a good, it's a good way to look at it because yeah, Palps was Palps would never change, right? But Anakin always had a chance. 
Well, and that's what makes <laughs> Vader a very believable and relatable character in a way that Pal, you know, as much as I right. love these stories so much, and I think they're great movies, you know, no one has ever twirled a mustache as much as Mr. <laughs> Palpatine. Like, he's, <laughs> he is an awfully, terribly, terribly written villain. Um, <laughs> he he but, uses the force to twirl other people's mustaches. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right so there is a whole lot of a movie besides that that awesome scene so let's kind of talk about some other things um what what how do you guys feel about uh everything that happens on tatooine because i have to say that is every time i watch it, it i know we have to get han back and i think the first time i saw it there were some cool moments in it but now every time i watch it i'm just kind of like ah, how much time do we have to waste till we get to the real part of the story <laughs> yeah well they sure didn't waste any time uh leia just walked right in there and unfroze him Mm-hmm. No problem. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, do you guys like the scene? Do you, do you kind of share some of my feelings? Do you think it's like a really vital part of the movie or one you really enjoy? Um, I mean, I, I, I feel like it's a very clear act one that has very little to do with acts two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there is an, there's this, there was a feeling I had when, you know, when Luke ends up on, um on the death star and is in the room with vader and the emperor and there the feeling was like this is the beginning of the movie in a way you know but like i don't think it works if you just start the story there like you know you probably (laughs) don't want two hours of that and i i think tatooine does a a really good i mean it does two things one it contains a whole bunch of action which people enjoy Mm -hmm. in action movies I'm told. Um, <laughs> and, and some and, great, great choreographed scene. Like you said, the R2 firing the the lightsaber. Yeah. L- Luke waits holding his arm for a little longer than seems plausible, but otherwise right, it's a fantastic right, right. scene. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. And, but it also really, I think, I think that whole sequence is there to establish, basically to reestablish the main characters, right? I mean, it establishes Luke as a Jedi, like a, well, according to Yoda, not a fully formed Jedi, but it's the first time we see Luke and think that's a Jedi, you know? Um, at the same time, like, he's wearing all black, he's, like, force-choking people, like, <laughs> you know? like, ta-da! <laughs> so it also kind of introduces the, like, well, you know, he's a Jedi, but he's he's got some of his father in him, kind of, you know? Um, and then, you know, it also, I think, has some really good, like, R2 and, and 3PO moments. It really does. Um, you know, and then Leia, it's like that, you know, they put her in, in that metal bikini, but then like, <laughs> she's like a super badass, like, right. um, you know, killing Jabba with the length of chain that she's attached to, you know. Um, so I think it kind of also sort of establishes her there as like, as an action character, you know, as well. Um, while Han gets to be sort of like, you know, the, the damsel. It's funny. I I, yes. I know this is not George Lucas's uh, intention. He's made quite a lot of money uh, being quite good at capitalism. But the first time I read the uh, Communist Manifesto and like, you know, the whole like, you know, rise up, all you have to lose are your chains. And like had uh-huh. all, all the first image I had was like, you know, Leia, like using her chain to free yeah. herself. <laughs> yeah. like, Marx <laughs> would be proud. Free yourself by the means of your oppression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think you do need something that shows why Luke is no longer the guy who got defeated at the end of Empire, and you need to show mm-hmm. him get a lot stronger. Um, 
and it does have some. I, I think in many ways this is my favorite three PO movie. Like he just has so many great lines and so much of that great sure. you know, underhand. Like you know, it wouldn't be proper <laughs> um, kind of stuff. But it's just so good. Um, I, I did also think it's interesting. Clearly, they hadn't maybe established this in Jedi, uh, and I don't know if they did this intentionally when they made the prequels. But as you pointed out, he's wearing all black. That's not a Jedi uniform. We never see a Jedi wear all black. Right. Yeah. It's They're always in these kind of browns. Browns, earth tones, yeah. White, yeah. Light white, you yeah, know, off white. I've that before. Yeah. I think that actually might be when I started wearing all black. <laughs> I, I'm fairly certain that's the case, yes. <laughs> so I remember when I was like seven, for Halloween, I just dressed as someone wearing all black. That was like my costume. Uh-huh. was like, and then when I was eight, I dressed as a mummy, so it was all white. So it was, you know, it's a very... <laughs> Both sides of the force kind of thing. No, I, I distinctly remember <laughs> it was only about four years into knowing you the first time I saw you wear color, and I did also <laughs> a huge double take. I was like, yeah. is this person? Like, who's that? Light side or dark side only, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> All absolutes, just like the Sith, only not the Jedi. <laughs> um, the closet is perfectly arranged. Lights to darks. So, well, uh, Ashley, uh, Paul and I have, have can have this conversation again and again as we've been doing for 25 years. What, what other parts of this movie that, that stuck out for you that you wanted to talk about? Oh, trust me. I am enjoying listening. I'm kind of like a commentator <laughs> here. I'm like, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm learning so much. <laughs> um, no, I think the lay of things is important. Like, even though they starved her and made her do that, it looks ridiculous to have a 98-pound woman just right. crush that giant job of the hut but it is you know empowering to finally see her take on that female hero stance Mm -hmm. um it would have been nice to have her in some clothes i loved her swing off with with luke you're like oh girl watch that back of that uh dress (laughs) if you want to call it that yeah that's uh um (laughs) that the outfit is positioned very perfectly very perfectly to show you to make you think constantly what's not under it, but but never show you what's under it. And it's uh, um, uh, uh, quite a feat of costuming that they do there. <laughs> but you're right. I think there's it's a, it's a powerful scene in that regard. And I and we've talked ever since the first movie that Leia is not the damsel in distress. You know, in the first movie, she takes over rescuing everyone with, you know, because these idiot flyboys yeah. get her into this hallway yeah. and they can't get She's out. She's right. power princess. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I really like that they give her her version of the I love you, I know moment. You know, I thought that was a really right. nice, like, closing of that. Yeah. Yeah, the whole, like, nobody telling it, anybody, each other, like, thing. <laughs> like, Luke's like, me ask so me later. <laughs> She's like, yeah. yeah, I love Luke. I mean, I could have told you before that he was my brother, like, right after I found out. Yeah, but, what like, was the point I of telling him after everything? Like, Right. Yeah, like, like, generally, if a man who you know is into you asks you if you love another man and you just say yes, you <laughs> might want to give some context. I mean, if you're poly, mm-hmm. great. But if that's not what you're trying to imply, give some context. Little bit. Right. Like, if he seems like he might have a little bit of a fragile ego that he, you know, covers up with swagger, like, just... Huh? Like, no. oh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Vader made it very clear that um, incestual thoughts also lead to the dark side. <laughs> Uh, it's like what do you say <laughs> so one of the most controversial parts of this movie i know is the ewoks um are, are you all pro or anti uh cute oh, little bears so who rain down they're so cute yeah they're, they're... murder monsters <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i'm super i remember the actually you were the first person who introduced me to the idea 
that like maybe Ewoks weren't great. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they go, like, like, What are you talking about? They're the best. Like while we were watching it today, I was like, oh, I had that one and that one, like the figurines. And I watched Willow last night. So Oh, nice. Oh, All the better. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, um, I don't remember if I sort of went through like a, a goth cynical about everything phase or if I was just telling you that I'd rather people thinking this, but I, I'm definitely 100% on team Ewok. And I, I, oh, nice. I don't get why. I know some people, did, that's why they don't like this movie, is they think the Ewoks take away from it. But I I feel like that kind Maybe. of sense of playfulness and of, like, having fun while kicking ass in, in the service of, like, fighting fascism is pretty integral to all these movies. I think so, too. And, like, beyond that, I I think they lend a realness to the struggle for the galaxy that the other movies actually lack. Like, they show us a place that is very directly... I mean, they don't show us exactly, like, how they're oppressed or not mm-hmm. oppressed by, you know, these stormtroopers and whatever who came and, like, built a base on their moon where they live in this forest. But, like, they're going to start cutting down trees. It's like, come on, yeah. you know? like <laughs> they, they show us civilians and collateral damage. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's, that's not a thing that we have that much of, um, you know, earlier on in, you know, in the in the star Wars universe. So I think that's really important. Like, I mean, you were talking about the shot where, um, one of the, they're not adats. They're like the little walkers. The scout walkers. Yeah. ATSDs. ATSDs. Right. Um, where they're shooting like at the trees and it's like one tree, another tree, another tree splits. And like, there's like a weight to that. That's like, and some of it's the music, you know, and some of it's the placement within it's like, there's this sort of flow of like, uh, they just started the attack and things are going well. And then there's this like, now things aren't going well. A bunch of the ships are getting blown up by the Death Star. And, you know, there's a there's this sort of pacing and this flow to how the battles are going. And they kind of all go together in tandem. Um, but like when the trees are getting like blown up, it's like it, it just makes it feel real in a like, like it's not just a bunch of like, it, it doesn't feel like just a bunch of actors like pretending to shoot at each other. It feels like you know there's actual damage to the the physical world that they're right. inhabiting, and I think it makes the world feel more real. It makes the stakes feel more real, and also the Ewoks are just fucking adorable. So, <laughs> yeah, the way you're describing it, it just makes me think of like like their hobbits, like the Shire mm-hmm. getting like mm-hmm. burned. Yeah. Exactly, like, and, and and like having to get involved, I, I and mean, like I, when I, the I, one Ewok gets killed and the other one's like, mm. oh, it's like I that. Know. It's like, I don't know, it's like the saddest moment. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, <laughs> not this time, but I've certainly, like, you know, gotten misty-eyed at that moment. I don't think there's any yeah. other moment in the series that that hits me quite that hard, you know? Right, it's like Alderaan blows up and it's like a billion people and you're like, oh, that's horrible. Yeah. But, like, you <laughs> don't know any really of those people. really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and um, actually, I really like the point that you made there about The Hobbit because, you know, The Hobbit was written in in part to be a story about you know, what uh, Tolkien saw as, like, the way the factories and industrialization was destroying, like, the countryside. And mm-hmm. um, Lucas has been very clear in, in, in the um, interviews that he did with Joseph Campbell. Uh, I'm sorry, um, in, 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 in interviews he did talking, I don't remember if he was talking with Joseph Campbell or if he was talking about, about Joseph Campbell saying similar things, but he talked a lot about the idea that part of the inspiration for these movies was the battle of man versus machine and of nature mm-hmm. versus industrialization, you know, and they were happening in the late seventies when like the sort of people were losing their jobs, the beginnings of industrialization in, in, in the auto industry and that, or the, in the rust belt and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this movie is really the perfect embodiment of that because it's, it's 
the you know the non-industrialized fighting back you know it's using literally just like sticks and stones and arrows which penetrate stormtrooper armor because that armor is absolutely made of cardboard apparently <laughs> the worst armor <laughs> don't take care of anything like, on the, like the empire just, there's just such a great visual of like you know these powerful machines of death and and destruction being destroyed by logs you know like yeah yeah these itty bitty little teddy bears <laughs> so cute and i think they do a really good job of mixing you know some of these ewok traps are really effective and you're like oh wow they just blew up this atsd with like two logs slamming at it and then like they try and trip one with rope and they just get dragged along yeah. like <laughs> it's like not every idea is gonna function you know yeah. Attention to detail. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I forget what what's it, it's. We only learn the name um, through like the books and stuff. But what's the name of the main um, Ewok who they work with? Yeah, Wicket. He like hits himself in the head with it. The one who finds Leia, right? Yeah, who hits himself. He hits and himself in the head with, with the, the, the boa thing. Great shot. Yeah, isn't, yeah, isn't that Warwick. Warwick Davis? Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah. The same okay. guy plays which is yeah. That's why I mentioned. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and that's you know. I and speaking of hobbits, right? I mean, not. Him, but the the people, you know, this whole group of people in in Willow. Okay, I won't go too much into Willow, but like we can go into Willow. It it has a lot of kind of like Lord of the Rings parallels, and I think um, George Lucas very deliberately, like when he created when when J.R.R. Tolkien created Lord of the Rings, I think he wanted to kind of create like a sort of English ish mythology. Oh, right? very much so. Yeah, he mm-hmm. he thought the English needed a mythology to combat the ring the ring series of the germans right and i think um when george lucas created star wars he was very deliberately trying to create like an american mythology yeah um or some yeah. or kind of more more modern sort of thing but similar you know I, I think it was very inspired by right you know lord of the rings and then then he goes and makes willow which is like oh there's there's a lot of there's a lot of parallels <laughs> which is interesting yeah. too because i think I, I don't think this was lucas's intention but especially with like the kind of mindsets we have today, I think you can very much see the Ewoks as, you know, I mean, it, it literally is. It's indigenous people fighting back against more technologically advanced colonialists. Yeah, um, yeah which is, exactly. You know, the Americans are on the wrong side of that particular story, to be sure. Yeah. But it's, right. a, it's a story that has a lot of relevance for us, you know? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, it's this was just like a little while after Vietnam, too, right? Oh, yeah. And... Yeah. Early late 70s, early 80s. So, you know, there you also have. Yeah, that, that's, that, I mean, yeah, that's a really good quite thing. a lot of the fighting there was we had the huge technological advantages and we, you know, we didn't win, didn't, didn't, didn't matter. I don't know who this we you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. We would all like to not actually be American citizens at this moment in time, but, you know, we still pay taxes and we get to vote. Everybody vote. Um, vote. Yeah, do that. You know, I, I but I, I, I still reject your we, but uh, that's continue. <laughs> Um, Ashley, welcome to our friendship. <laughs> um, I respect your position, but disagree with it vehemently. If you enjoy this banter, may I suggest to you the first eighty or so episodes of Superhero Ethics? Uh, no, actually, wait, no, the first like forty or so. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't been on. And that then before. the more recent, some of the more recent ones. Exactly. Yeah. Um, just a couple other things from this movie. Um, like I said, I love C three P on this. You get so many great lines, and the whole thing about him being accidentally a god is just—it's it, just so yeah. beautifully played because it's. It's clearly being played for humor, but it's also very believable. And, like, the stakes that, like, they might misunderstand and, and eat all these people in a feast for him is, like, very believable. 
Um, right. People were finally treating him nice, like after all these movies. Oh yeah, that's true. I never no thought one's of it ever that nice way. to him ever. It's true. He's just like the butt of the jokes all the time, right? He's the one bringing up the rear. It's like, hurry up, three PO. Mm-hmm. You know, you get even in the new ones. Yeah. 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 I mean, they just delete they him, right? Oh right. my god. Yeah, like he gets deleted multiple times in the series. Yeah, (laughs) like at the end of Revenge of the Sith, it's like, yeah, we'll just kill three PO, like just reboot him and destroy (laughs) his person and whatever, and he'll just be a new person. But they 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 just can't stamp out that anxiety; it just never goes away. (laughs) Right, exactly. Some of it it's hardwired. It's hardwired. He's all of Um, us. That's the truth of it. I never thought about it. He's very much the point of view character in that regard. And and like I. It's funny because I, I commented that as he, as he tells the story to the Ewoks that it's, um, you know, a very shortened version. But still, like, I mean, he's speaking not English. He's using just hand gestures and this made up language. But but I mean, I feel like I know exactly what point of the story he's telling at every moment. It, it's just a yeah. beautiful, powerful scene. Mm-hmm. C-3PO crushes his Vader impression. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's very strong. <laughs> I, I just started making the physical gestures and then remembered we're on podcast, not video. But yes, exactly. I, I heard them. I heard them. I felt like I heard. I was sort of physically chest. moving too. I, I also commented, and, and uh, during our chat, I commented, and this might be a little bit of a too soon joke, but I think that there's some truth to this. Um, when you watch, especially how Han treats three PO, and like just has no tolerance for him, and, and is like trying to tell him what to do, but being such an asshole about it, like. The fact that his kid is so screwed up is not totally surprising. <laughs> not one bit. Yeah, you could see him not being the best dad. Like, yeah, you could buy it. Like, if you have no patience for a droid like that, you're not really going to do well with a toddler, I don't think. Right. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he very could have easily said to 3PO, when someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. Yeah, so, that would have been just, a great. You know, I, a... I wonder, actually, I think Ghostbusters comes out like a year or two after this, right? Yeah, I think it was 85. That makes sense, um, yeah, okay. 84, it was 84 is the next year. Okay, yeah. but yeah, definitely not, or else that would have been a really fun yeah, callback right. in a weird yeah. way. No, but it is, oh, right, you mean like if, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that probably would have gotten Lucas, well, he got sued for a lot of things, but probably one more lawsuit would have happened from that. Right. <laughs> or not, I mean, I don't know. I think having a line that's basically the same as a line in another movie, I don't, I'm not sure how much you can sue someone over that. Yeah, that's true. But they've done it constantly with their own movies, apparently. Oh, it's funny. Every time Han says, "I've got a bad," someone says in this, "I've got a bad feeling about this." I, I both enjoy it, but I have this sense of dread because I know that it's now going to become like. I, I think it is the single line said more often in Star Wars properties than any other line. Like I, I'd buy that. I think it is said <laughs> in every single movie. Someone says, "I've got a bad feeling about this." It's that so. no. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, let, they... let, let's take a minute or two and, and discuss some of the additions um, that that we may or may not have loved. First of all, is there any addition that you did like in the new uh, version that Lucas toyed with? I enjoyed how everything was kind of cleaned up be- before I try to think about an addition that I liked because I was having a hard time knowing what was different besides the fact like the CGI in some parts was too much. Yeah. But when it wasn't too much, it really worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like it stuck out in some spots where it's like, they, because the original just wasn't CGI, right? It's just all yeah. practical effects. The um, sand monster looked like shit. Right, yeah. It's just like, whoa, what what's going on there? Um, like maybe some of the space battles looked a little better or something. Some of the explosions, I don't know. Yeah. A lot of stuff blowing up. 
some of it not in a vacuum, which is cool, you know, um, <laughs> given that's possible, but... Yeah, it, um, it does remind me, this all happens before, like, Battlestar Galactica, one of the things I liked so much about it is, it, like Babylon 5, showed, you know, ships moving in space the way they would in space, and, like, the long mm-hmm. arcs just don't happen. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the one added scene that I do like, although I think it could have been 30 seconds shorter, is the music in um, Jabba's Palace oh. scene. Yeah, but, that's fine. I think it's yeah. fun. It's it's interesting to me that that particular form of blues is, you know, still prevalent, you know, in different galaxies. Um, but, like, right. it's a fun scene. It shows a little more of the universe. It shows a little more of, like, the, the kind of attitude at Jabba's Palace in a way I like. Um, even if yeah. I don't think the Twilight Dancer had that well thought out a plan for her escape in that moment. But Right. And the whole, like, what, how many how many of their own people do they kill? Like, three? In, like, the, in the Tatooine? That was, that's actually, because that's one of my... We were going to do a thing on tropes, maybe we will at some point, but that's one of my least favorite tropes, is the, like, villain killing their own minions or people or whatever mm-hmm. in order to show, like, how badass they are. Right. Yeah, they really do it a lot. Like, they did that, they did, I'm trying to remember who else. Oh, yeah, they dumped uh, the, the orc guy the into the pit. Yeah, the ri- rhino. Yeah, pig? Right. Yeah, into the pit with Luke, and then it just gets eaten, they're like, whatever. Yeah. And I think there was a, th- oh, and they're disintegrating the old protocol droid. And, Even though know, that's not so, what disintegration looks like, as the Mandalorian has shown, like disintegration does not mean like anyway. That's my own little. Well, that's <laughs> what it looks like then. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, but yeah, it's an interesting trope there uh, that I think that does get used a lot uh, in Jabba's palace. Um, but yeah, now um, and also just one quick thought. I, I will say there's one other sad moment, and I love that they throw this in. Um, we've seen the Rancor be so yes. evil and badass. And then there's Whoa. that poor guy who cares for the Rancor. He's just so sad that it dies. Yeah. yeah we, I, I'd like to just um, challenge that a little bit. I completely agree with everything you said <laughs> at the end. Uh-huh. But, like, have we seen the Rancor be evil or just hungry? Okay, yeah, no, not evil. Scary. He's starving. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. scary, for sure. Like, I mean, how it could still be hungry after eating the, the orc rhino guy, whatever, um, is Im- impressive. But, like, <laughs> we don't know how they've been body. treating them. Yeah. I mean, that one, the one guy who was really sad at, after he died seems like, okay, well, clearly they care for the Rancor. Yeah. But, like, how do they actually treat them? I mean, some people love some people and, like, don't really treat them well and so we, you know, we don't really know the whole Rancor's whole story. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no. And it's sad when when they die because they were just yeah. kept in captivity and forced to like eat Twi'leks and you know. No, no, I, I think you make a good point. You you kind of actually make the point that I I I, I would be making on the ethics with, without even thinking about it. Um, because uh, I fell into the same trope. Like you know, when a a living creature is presented as huge and monstrous and eat, wants to eat you, it's that yeah. that is seen as evil instead of just like no, it's just. You do to it what 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 you it does to you what you do to like a cow or a you know a uh, a chicken if you're not you know a a vegetarian or vegan like some people on this call, Um, (laughs) you know. See, I'm not going to use the we there, Paul. Um, Okay, okay, I appreciate that. No, yeah, you used the you. Yeah, but (laughs) you you have a you have a higher ability (laughs) to morally judge the 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 rancor than I do uh, for sure. Um, Right, fair, fair, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I will also say there's a novel in which they introduce the idea. That there's a major Sith temple on the planet that the Rancor like is the home planet, and that the Sith ride the Rancors like as horses. Um, oh wow! Which is kind of wonderfully badass, but wow! Yeah, <laughs> seems difficult. Yeah. I feel even worse for the Rancor now. Yeah. You know? yeah. 
like see if keep them as pets they can be cuddly um maybe don't smell that good but you know who knows what's her face did that in rise of skywalker with that other monster thing that she like force healed oh yeah so maybe if luke would have just been like force something in my yeah yeah Yeah. like you don't want to eat me you are already full You know, mm-hmm. what they, that would have been way cooler. What they like, needed here season. was Force Ghost um, Obi Wan to pop up because mm-hmm. as uh, Riki Hayashi, who's a the co-host on most of the Clone Wars shows, along with his wife Sarah, um, has pointed out in the Clone Wars TV shows as well as in the, the prequel movies, they pretty much establish that Obi Wan is the Steve Irwin of the Star Wars universe. You know, like he is like just any planet has some huge native uh, animal for like you know some huge. Um, native animal he will befriend it and wind up riding it like mm. <laughs> where it is Good he point. always does it yeah that would yeah, have been that bird lizard in that one in attack of the clones mm-hmm. with a weird like sonic cry yeah uh, uh. um okay i'm now making noises <laughs> from animals i think it's probably time to wrap up it was like <laughs> but yeah any of the uh, additions that you guys wanted to bash on for being truly bad i mean the no is yeah. just the worst. It's, yeah, that it's, I was like. And, and for those who don't go. remember or haven't seen this recently, um, what we're talking about is in that classic scene where Vader just turns on the Emperor and throws him down the well. In the original, he's silent, does it silently, and it's so powerful. Now he's watching Luke tortured, and he goes, "No, no," and it's just. Awful. So anyway, I wanted to tell it's, what the story, but yeah, Paul, go ahead. It's the worst. It's worse than the one in Revenge of the Sith. Because at least in Revenge of the Sith, like, it wasn't that good a movie anyway. So Do you, you think they did that, that because of Revenge of the Sith? Or it, well, what, did it, they put that in? I think it was What's first, the timeline? Right? Yeah. I mean, so they did the re-releases. Bef- when were they? They were before, right? The, the Weren't re- they in the, like, mid to late 90s? Yeah. So like, 97? The re-releases, I think, um, well, I remember this all because my, the... Phantom Menace came out when I graduated college, which was May of right, 1999. 99. So yeah, yeah, I think the re-releases came out in the mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like 97, 98, yeah. 96, 97, 98, something like that. And um, yeah, so I, I think, I don't even remember this from from the re-release. Um, I wonder if I even saw, I did see the Return of the Jedi re-release because I remember the end, which you spared us today, which <laughs> is like, that's like, Sort of, like, if the whole series had shown as much of the galaxy as, um, like, the Clone Wars show did, then that type of ending could have made some sense, right? Where they show a bunch of different places. But it's like, you didn't show us anywhere. You showed us Endor, and you showed us, like, Tatooine and Hoth. Like, nobody's celebrating on Hoth. And, like, <laughs> you know? So, so it, it that, I... That's, like, really obvious mm-hmm. and, like, a bigger change, but it's just, like, that one scene where they just cut, they have Vader looking left and looking right. He looks at the Emperor, he looks at Luke, he looks at the Emperor, and he does this several times, there, and, like, you can see, like, the, the Force lightning is, like, showing, like, a skeleton or something is, like, mm-hmm. showing through the mask, and mm-hmm. then he picks up the Emperor, and he th- walks over, and then he just dumps him down the, the tube, and... That scene is so masterfully done, and it was so perfect the first time it was made. It's just, why would you just go back to something that you did right the first time and just, like, take a dump on it? 
Like, that's what yeah. it feels like. It just feels <laughs> like, it's like, why are you stepping on your moment, you know? I feel like that is perfectly said. I have nothing to add. All right. I'll stop. <laughs> you there. nailed it. Yeah. Like Thanks. it's it's atrocious. Yeah. It it really is. And yeah, as Paul's alluding to, um uh, the other big change that I think we all hate, uh certainly Paul and I actually I'm not don't know if you're a fan, but um <laughs> you know, the original has this again, talk about like the kind of nature over machine, you know, just this the the, the celebration of the defeat of this galactic empire is this small little like, you know, gathering around a fire as people are dancing and playing drums of, you know, the heads of, you know, the, the, the helmets of Imperial right. soldiers. Though I think 10 year old <laughs> me thought the heads were still in there. Um, oh. <laughs> of course. You and did. it's this great little song, Yub Nub. And, and then they take yeah. it out, take, take it out. And it's, um, yeah, that and the no, I think to me are just the two biggest changes that just make, it, it takes away. It, it's not even just that it, it's bad and annoying, but it takes away from the power of the original. Yeah, exactly. It's like the 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 one the no like interferes with the power of the original, and the taking out Yubnub like removes some of it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and it's fan service to, you know, we now all know what Coruscant is, but the word Coruscant is never spoken in the original movies. You know, and and right. like you said, seeing the scene on it makes no. It's it's just callback to the prequel stuff that that doesn't belong there. Right, um, exactly. I will also say on a similar note, um, the changing of the Force Ghost in the final scene really bothers me because oh, yeah. in the original, it's the um, what you see is Yoda and um, Yoda, Obi Wan, and Anakin, and the Anakin they show is the guy who was in the suit at the very end, and in the new version, they show Hayden Christensen, um, who looks much younger, and. It's not that I don't like it because I don't like Hayden Christian, the actor, although that's very true, um, because I still don't like sand. (laughs) Um, You just have to make a reference. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. it's because, like, what you're then showing is Anakin before he's changed. Like, the whole point is that, as you know, Yoda and Obi-Wan are both the old versions of them. And and the Anakin that we're seeing is supposed to be the Anakin who has changed, who's gone through this thing. And so... For, for me to show us Anakin who became Darth Vader, like it, it just totally misses the point. And it's just fan service for, for not even for no good reason, but that, that it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 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 It makes no sense. It's like, if you're going to do that, then like put in you and McGregor. Like, yeah. And a little but young Yoda. Yes. But, or even try yeah, to ba- show ba- And baby Yoda. You know what? If they put in you and McGregor baby and baby Yoda, you might sell me on it. <laughs> Because Baby Yoda is the other most adorable thing in the universe. So, I don't know. So true. Maybe we got something there. Okay. So, so what that tells us is, by by the last, they can't do this too early, but by like the last season of Mandalorian, Baby Yoda, maybe like Toddler Yoda by then, has to meet Mm -hmm. and walk. Oh, Cuba's overload. I don't think I could handle it. Yeah. It would be a sign the show has jumped the shark and just gone straight into fan service, but I wouldn't care. It would be such a right. fun Not moment. Oh. All right. Um, I'll let's kind of wrap up with um. So where where does this movie fall for you, uh, Paul? I think you said it, it's one of your absolute favorites. Um, uh, Ashley, what about for you? Where where does this movie fall in terms of all the other movies and where you rank it? Um. Hmm. It's hard. Because, oh, I like so many things in so many different movies that I usually don't see them as, like, individual movies, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense, which it probably doesn't. Because does. I like action sequences so much. So if you do a good action sequence in your shitty movie, it puts it up for me a little bit. Mm. Um, 
I think I like it right after uh, Return of the Jedi is the one we just watched. What was the one before it? Empire Strikes Back. Empire. Yeah, that it's definitely Empire Strikes Back, still my favorite one. Because mm-hmm. I love when movies end on like a really good cliffhanger, and I just loved everything about that one. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but after watching this again, like this goes right after it. Yeah. Yeah, these two, like Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, have always been like, and Justice for All and Master of Puppets for me, mm-hmm. where like, yes. <laughs> it's like two great creations that are part of like a larger body of work that are, it's really difficult for me to say which one, like I might like Return of the Jedi more. Mm-hmm. I do think Empire Strikes Back is like a more kind of perfectly conceived, executed movie to yeah. some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they're both part of this very coherent arc of the three original movies. So I, I totally feel what you're saying, Ashley, that like they're, they are part of something. So like, sort of seeing them separately it's like well which act did you like the best it's like i don't know i like the movie you yeah know? i mean okay the third yes. act but like exactly um and then and then rogue one i think for me also is like i just i just think it's great and is a very different movie that's maybe the most well executed out of the whole series but like it's probably not my favorite whereas this one might be yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think I, I think I, I agree with that. Um, to me, Empire and Rogue One are just the two best, like from a subjective like movie making perspective. Yes. Um, yeah. I think the best written, the best put together, the best acting. Um, and it, it's funny. I used to say that I think uh, that of the three, I think I liked me personally in terms of what hits me the hardest. I like Empires. I like least. I mean, I, I love all three of them. Mm-hmm. They're all part of the same yeah. parent story, like you said. And I, I at one point, I, I think it's hard for me because. Star Wars itself has so much nostalgia value for me, like the original A New Hope. But the first t- first couple times I watched it with younger people who were seeing it for the first time, um, you know, like people who just grown up not really caring about them or like some of my younger cousins or some people like that, they always said it was so slow. And I was always so defensive about that. I was like, no, you, you damn kids. You think all movies should be fast. This is how movies should be. <laughs> but, but I watch it again. I still love it. And it is – it really does drag in some points. This Which movie one, doesn't. Like this movie is much hope. faster paced, I think, mm-hmm. than A New Hope. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it's funny too because you think about it, there's really only three like scenes. You know, I mean, there's Tatooine, which has all the stuff happening on it. There's mm-hmm. and, and then there's some stuff on the Death Star at the same time. And then there's like a short scene on Dagobah. And then there's getting ready for the Death Star attack. And then there's all the parts of the Death Star attack. Like it's, right. it's three distinct acts that all happen pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's to some extent every time we watch a Star Wars movie, that's my favorite at the moment. And that's kind of unless they're prequels, <laughs> right? Um, that that's a big compliment, I think, to them. Yeah. You know yeah, that you like watch it and remember like how much you appreciate each one when you're watching it. Yeah. Um. I I I think one thing about this movie and being part three of a trilogy, mm-hmm. um, that it does so well that a lot of that like sequels or like ends of trilogies, like I'm looking at you, Return of the King, um, <laughs> really, really fall down on is it ends once. Yes, that's so true. Like, yeah. how many endings does Return of the King have? <laughs> and they even removed one from the book, you know? How They're many like, times oh, we're not do we see do Hobbits jumping on the bed? <laughs> 
right. It, you know, it's like, it just keeps ending and ending right. and ending. And it's like here, it's like, yeah, there's the scene at the end where they're like celebrating, but it's like, that's all music. There's like a few lines, right? There's barely any lines. Yeah. And, you know, that's like, okay, that's the like denouement or whatever, but like there's <laughs> one climax and that's it. And then, and you know, and that's the climax and then, okay, they won. There's no, you know, villain comes back from the dead, uh, you know, yeah. and like you have to wait three more movies for that. But. <laughs> it's funny. I, I had the so so. What I did was I stopped the the viewing we were we were doing and said sorry guys. Right as we got to the the final <laughs> ending, said sorry. There's technical problems, but don't worry. You can watch the rest of the movie here. And then sent them to the U, to the YouTube video. That's the the actual Yub Nub scene. Um, that was brilliant. And I, I had that idea ready, and it surprised me how fast it came. Because exactly what you're saying. Like I was thinking, there's going to be like two or three big things that that are endings after the. Right. Uh, but no, all there is is the, the little scene between, um, you know, Han and Leia where, you know, she's like, no, I love him. He's my brother. We're, you know, kiss, kiss. Everything is good. And mm -hmm. then Luke lights the fire and then yeah. scene, you know, and it's it's mm -hmm. really nice that you're right. It doesn't drag out to eight different endings. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Any other last thoughts or points or things you wanted to comment on before we close out? I had a really good time, guys. This is super fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Ashley, thank you so much for being a part of this. Ashley, what uh, what other podcasts are you, have you been on recently? If uh, listeners want to check you out, uh, we did Pandavision. We finished up the boys mm -hmm. recently, and I was on a couple episodes of Lovecraft Country on Pandavision. Definitely, yeah. All, that's mostly where I live. Yeah, all that's on Pandavision, <laughs> which is another part of the uh, Star War the yeah, Stranded Panda Podcast Network. Paul, what are for you? Where can people find uh, what you're doing these days? Uh, you could just like Google Zen Madman and I don't know, I'm on Twitch as that and I'll probably have some YouTube channels soon, but, uh, I do various things often centered around like learning stuff mm -hmm. like chess, poker, languages, cool. all nice. sorts of fun things. Yeah, no, it's a lot of good stuff. Um, it's definitely worthwhile checking out. Well, um, and, and, just... and I do podcasts with, uh, with Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and I'll just give my own quick plug. Um, one. there's a great podcast called Imaginary Worlds where it's, it's much more a produced podcast where they take different interviews and sound clips and put it all together to to, to tell a narrative about a particular um, issue. Um, uh, recently, they did one on the the uh, kind of the ethics of vigilantism and and policing and things like that. Um, and I got to be a guest on that, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, big shout out to the people who run Imaginary Worlds podcast. Um, and if you want to hear me uh, talk about Daredevil, um, I get to make my favorite point about Daredevil and death and metal pipes that you've probably heard me say before. Um, as well as talk about some other interesting stuff. It's a, it's a really interesting podcast and definitely worth checking out. So I'm going to have myself, Paul, uh, Ashley, thank you so much. Please uh, continue supporting this podcast. Tell more people about it. Get us more listeners. Help us grow this, fan, this network of great people talking and, and sharing ideas. Let us know what you think. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. All those links are... Um, you can find them by going to strandedpanda.com and click on the Star Wars The Universe podcast link. So thank you all so much. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.